Welcome to Dynasty Theory, your source for everything Dynasty fantasy football. With your host, John Bauer. I'm looking to sell everybody price-dependent. Dan LaMagna. Too much dysfunction in Cleveland. And Mitch Sorensen. Well, it's hard to compete with excellence. Welcome back to another episode of Dynasty Theory. I'm your host, John Bauer. I'm joined by Dan LaMagna. Dan, what's up, buddy? J to the B, what's going on, my man? I am excited for another week here. It's a blast, another fun fantasy football week that we're going to be reviewing and looking ahead. And uh, I miss Mitch, though, man. Like, you know, I, I just disagree with the state of Utah tonight, thinking it is more important for him to work than to be on the Dynasty Theory podcast. I don't know how you feel about that. He's traveling for work. I think it's still in Utah, but he's gone for four days or so, something like that. And then he's going we, to he's going to Vegas soon too. He's he's a globe trotter. Yeah, I wonder if we get in trouble with like Mrs. Sorensen if like we wrote his employee a letter and just says we're we're not pleased with this traveling on Tuesdays. Do you think that would fly or we'll think know. about it? Yeah, we'll we'll figure it out. But again, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. We are a proud member of the DLF family of podcasts. Super excited about that partnership. And of course, this week's episode of Dynasty Theory. Is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 6 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. 20% off, free worldwide shipping code theory20 at manscaped.com. Lawnmower 4.0, Dan, and the Weed Whacker. I'm not going to forget the Weed Whacker. Listeners, if, if you're, you know, you've been thinking about it and you're unsure, just trust us. You will not be sorry with these products. Um, we will apologize in advance because you'll think of JB and, and myself and Mitch maybe when you have those product products, but they are worth it. Everybody wants to think of me when they're taking care of their male grooming, I'm sure. <laughs> it's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with code theory20. As we always say, it helps us out and it's a great product. All right, Dan, this was an exciting week, and unfortunately, some of the big injuries, well, all of the big injuries that take place throughout the NFL have a trickle-down effect and a huge impact on fantasy football, of course, but most importantly, our dynasty teams, okay? Uh, I, I see a few people in the chat. Jack, I see your question. We'll get to it. Greg, what's going on? We always appreciate people tuning in live here on the Dynasty Theory YouTube channel. But of course, Dan, we want to start with Javante Williams. He's got the torn ACL. Then there was an LCL. A lot of CLs. A lot of issues. But he's out for the year. And I I want your overall thoughts. Not the injury itself, but how you're approaching him in Dynasty I, I want to know if you have any shares, what you're doing in those situations, what your team makeup looks like, and then if, maybe if you're going out and trying to acquire. All great questions, JB. And, you know, Mitch and I often joke with you about, like, DFS, and we, we talk every once in a while about, like, our home leagues and stuff. But this is where, like, Dynasty is a blessing and a curse. You know, we love that, that role of, like, general manager, and, you know, this is, like, a big impact to our teams or maybe a big opportunity or you know it, it really hurts our rosters depending on where we're at and like injuries really do sting because it impacts the player's value you know maybe you were looking to shop Javante Williams before this trade because he wasn't performing up to expectations and now you're not even going to get near what you hope for 
maybe you were looking to buy before this injury because you didn't think what was, you know, going on there was a buy low opportunity. And now it just changes the whole landscape. So he injures his knee and serious injury done for this season. And personally, myself, I surprised, surprisingly, I, I did not have any Javante Williams shares and not for lack of liking or not wanting Javante Williams. It just, my teams just didn't fall that way, but I wanted to like kind of learn and look at the situation similar to JK Dobbins. You know, we, we've had so much dialogue around his injury at all different points of his injury from when he first got injured, you know, a year ago to the off season, to the start of the season. And it was like the stock market. So I'm interested in obtaining some Javante Williams. It doesn't necessarily have to be like this week, next week. I, I will, I will start trying, um, but I am going to keep trying until next year comes and, I think any time between now and his return, you're going to have an opportunity to eventually get a guy at a value. He's young. He's going to recover. He's going to bounce. He should, no reason he shouldn't bounce back strong. And, and I really still believe Javante Williams is a very good running back and he'll have a promising career. Now, let me ask you about the timeline because here it happens week four and you already referenced JK Dobbins. And I think that's the easiest comparison, a young running back, uh, a blossoming star in their own rights and for J.K. Dobbins, it was five weeks prior, okay? And then he still wasn't ready for week one. So I say five weeks prior, you know, this point in last year's season, uh, he, he suffers the injury. Now, I know that there were some issues with the hamstring there as well, uh, but we can't really shed light on that. I, I always joke it's surprising. Dan and I are not doctors contrary to popular belief but is that a concern he's not going to be 100 ready for the start of the season or do you you know maybe it is different maybe he does come back full strength to start the season in 2023 yeah it's a little too early to be able to diagnose that it's it's early in this year so i mean that that is potentially a positive but some as we mentioned jk dobbins and i think they did say with javante was more than just an acl there's a few other a couple other ligaments there but as long as it doesn't extend to something like the hamstring and something, you know, everything goes well with surgery. There's no infections afterwards. He starts rehab on time. Um, I think you're going to have, you're going to have them next year. We just don't know what week, but again, I think this is the one of those opportunities where I look at Dobbins. If you could just display a little bit more patient, and I'm a very impatient person, JB. So I'm probably the worst person to be given this advice, but if you have a little more patience than I do, you could follow it and you end up scoring JK Dobbins. And here we are, you know, week four he has two touchdowns that's a thing of beauty and he's young and his value and stock's going to start rising again so you know how you know how do you get start chipping away and getting some javante williams shares i think it's a great opportunity and again maybe you can't get it this week or next week but owners will become more willing to trade at different times and i think it, it obviously comes down to the price point that you are going to be acquiring Javante. So for the point of this discussion right now, let's let's take it from that perspective. Going out and actively looking to acquire Javante Williams. And there were several trades and just questions overall what we would be looking to do. You know, these are questions that came from the Discord. And the way that I would construct the trade would be, one, you're you're not contending, obviously. Or maybe you are contending, but you just have so much depth, okay? And the prime opportunity to acquire Javante would be from somebody that has him on their roster, of course, 
and they are contending. But here's the thing, Dan. If if you're contending, if you have a team and you're three and one or you're four and oh at this point in time, it's not because of Javante Williams. He has been, you know, that that first week he came out and had what 10, 11 receptions, but over week two, three, and then four, you know, obviously goes out early. It's been very pedestrian like production. And we talk about replacement level. He has been just that. You look at the guys that have been producing, and I know it's tough to be able to pinpoint when Jeff Wilson's going to produce, when a Jamal Williams is going to produce. But those are the types of guys that we talk about week in and week out. And I, the the injuries that we always talk about, and this, this is always my example, right? In 2020, when Dak went out, if you had him those first four weeks, you were the top of the standings because he was going off. If you're the top of the standings, you can easily replace Javante Williams' production. So if you are looking to ship him off, I don't think you need to necessarily move him to bolster that starting lineup or that depth. You can go out and use other assets that you have. Hopefully you have strong draft capital and you could go pursue those other running backs, but you don't need to take a massive hit on Javante Williams if you're if you are contending. So I know I said I want to look at it from the, the eye of somebody that's that looking to acquire, but I wanted to provide some additional context there in terms of what the roster would need to be like of somebody that would be looking to move him. So yeah, JB, and I, I think if you're contending and you, like you said, it's despite of Javante Williams to this point in the season, I wouldn't just be looking to unload him. You know, hey, you're three and one, four and one. Um and when you, you know that would be after this week but he was i think you got to display some patience so after three weeks he was 18th overall and again we had much higher expectations but i think you've got to take into account it's a small sample size it was only three weeks i think there's some competency questions of the denver broncos new coach and staff yeah you know melvin gordon like i knew he was gonna fumble this last week like i just knew it like i had no confidence in him i'm not even in the denver locker room there and what does he do he coughs it up he just doesn't look good and well i'm sure we'll talk more about the denver situation and then they're playing mike boone and like i just don't know really what denver exactly was doing but i really feel like that would have ironed itself out and he would have gotten more of a workload as the season went along for the denver broncos so i think this Broncos staff's either going to figure it out or they're going to be replaced at some point in the future and again, just a bet on talent, it's going to be Javante Williams. So I wouldn't be like just looking to dump him if I'm a contending team. No, 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 of course not. But again, if you are contending, you're still you should still be in decent shape. If yeah. you're if you're no longer contending because you lost 13 points per game in Javante Williams, you probably weren't contending to begin with. And yeah. uh so again, if you're looking to go on acquire, the one way I would look to construct it, right, would be I'm not contending but I have assets on my team that maybe I was trying to move throughout the off season and I've been unsuccessful. I've been trying to move throughout the beginning stages of the season. I'm unsuccessful. It has been very difficult. And I actually used the trade that you and I made involving Nick Chubb uh, over the weekend on the episode of the pivot point with Mitch, but it's been very difficult to move those higher end running backs. And it's because uh, fortunately for them, unfortunate for the trading within our dynasty leagues there haven't been these higher end injuries now this opens up that door so if you have a leonard fournette if you have a you know i see derrick henry mentioned in the chat if you have aaron jones those types of players 
teams are going to start to get desperate. So if they aren't looking to attack the position and pick up those lower value pieces that you can plug and play throughout the season, they are going to look to move Javante Williams potentially at a great discount just to be able to continue to contend because they believe they need to fill that gap. But here's my issue. So so uh, one trade that we saw, it was Leonard Fournette, Geno Smith, and a 23 second for Javante Williams. That's probably the overall right idea that I would be looking to do because if you're not contending, Geno Smith, he's looked fantastic. And he very well with the state of the quarterback landscape, he very well might find himself in a position next year to start somewhere. If it's not Seattle, maybe somewhere else. But then with, uh, was it Leonard Fournette? I said, you know, he is reaching that point and you have to start to look ahead a little bit. What happens after, you know, Tom Brady is gone? You know, not only is he going to be getting divorced from Giselle, but he'll be getting divorced from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers eventually. I know those reports. If they can't make it, who can, Dan? Is there any hope for us? Holy cow. Hey, you, uh, you sound like Mrs. LaMagna tonight. I was like, thanks for the Tom Brady scoop. She was giving me all the gossip tonight of why this relationship wasn't working. So uh, we're going deep here in Dynasty. Theory. Yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, anyway, enough of the gossip there. But that's a five-year uh, age difference you're getting and going from Lenny to Javante Williams in Dynasty. Right, right. So so you are buying back that difference. But that's the type of move I would be looking to make. There are, and I said it in our chat, there are about 45 players in Superflex, two PPR for tight ends, 45 players I would instantly accept if I got offered for Javante Williams. Some of them no-brainers. Nobody's going to come here or offer me Josh Allen for Javante Williams. But there's about 45 guys. Then you can add an, about another 20, 25 that I have tiered relatively equal that one for one because of the lost production over the next year and the, the I, I would say, overall... An, an injured player like Javante Williams is not going to be very liquid on the trade market. It doesn't give you all that much flexibility. So if I'm able to move on and get a piece that one is going to help me make a push this year or two that I believe moving forward is going to continue to be strong. And uh, if I fought a contention, I can then move that asset. It just opens up the door for more trades in the future. If things go awry, so for me, like there's about 70 guys right now, which I know some people right now, they're hearing that and they're saying, holy cow, that is a huge dip in value, but it is. And a lot of it is because of the running back landscape. You know, you look at JK Dobbins, you look at Cam Akers, Travis Etienne, those types of guys, when they got injured, think about it. When they got injured, the age of the other top running backs, 25, 26, 27. Okay. Now we are a year past that and think about the influx of talent coming in next year. That's the other we're we're going to get four or five running backs that are top 20, 20, 20 stage. <laughs> One of those situations where everything's going like this top 20 dynasty running backs instantly, instantly, maybe top 24, but that's going to play a role here. And I think overall Javante's value could remain relatively flat and it's going to have its its peaks and valleys here over the next year but the end result might be relatively flat 
but you're going to see wide receivers pass them up, quarterbacks, tight ends, and then the incoming 2023 rookies. I agree, and, and I'm glad you brought up the 2023 20, rookies because I, I believe our boy Ben here, would you say he's getting a little greedy maybe, John? I'm not sure. He says he'd like a first plus what he's looking for. So if I'm reading that right, a first plus. I could see him wanting a first, but I don't think he's going to get a first plus based on, again, these rookies. There's some nice running backs coming in the class. There's a nice quarterbacks coming in the class. I think they're going to have more value than Javante Williams. Um, And you got to think about it too. I I think that's a great question because we always talk about it. And and on Twitter, on other podcasts, different platforms, the easiest way to kind of uh, put everybody on a level playing field is how many 23 firsts are they worth? How many 23 seconds? It's an easy comparison. So when you're looking at Javante Williams, there's a few factors for me. One if if I have my 23 first and I'm contending, do I even want to use it on a player like Javante Williams? There were other ways I could look to navigate. And Dan, you talk about your lack of patience. You know me. I will send you and Mitch a message within 30 seconds. I'm like, hello, hello. And you're like, JB, I'm working over here, man. It, 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 I, don't, I don't even give you a minute. But my point there is, I'm actively out there seeing what I can get from my 23 first if I'm contending, when in reality, I should be just, hey, breathe, calm down. Let's see how the next few weeks progress, because then we have more information on usage. The the availability of players is critical, and you're just buying yourself more time, and you have that increased flexibility. And as more teams are out of contention, that opens up the trade market. And you start getting very nice deals if you are looking to move a Javante Williams and a team's out of contention. And they're like, I'll give you a Nick Chubb plus just so I can get younger. Oh, my God. Yes, absolutely. So back to the question that Ben posed or, you know, not necessarily a question, but a statement. Javante for a first plus. If I'm on the other side of that, I'm not giving any first right now for Javante Williams, just because again, it decreases the potential trade partners overall. But also if I'm not contending, maybe I have a team that is contending. Maybe I have their first. So that would be intriguing, but I would still look to hang on to that because it just takes one setback. You know, and it takes Denver bringing in another back next year, which is where it's going to happen. Think about how many committees we have. Think about the backs that are doing well right now. Khalil Herbert, Jamal Williams. I, I know they sound like a broken record. And the Denver's prime for that committee. Mm-hmm. You know, Javante Williams was a committee back with Michael Carter. He was the number one but at North Carolina, but he was a committee back. Then he comes to Denver, and we get this new coach and staff. And, I mean, he was a committee back last year with Melvin Gordon, but at least it was a little – more promising than it was this year as Michael Boone kind of, you know, skipped into it. And, you know, we thought his sophomore year, Javante Williams would take over even more of it. It just didn't happen earlier, but now post injury, knowing that, you know, I don't think they're going to get much more out of Melvin Gordon. I don't think Latavius Murray is going to be anything beyond this year. We know what kind of what Michael Boone is already. So I could see Denver bringing in another back, whether it's through the draft or free agency. And uh, it's also throwing me off. You're calling him Michael Boone. Instead I, of Mike Boone, it, that's Mike throwing me Michael off. Boone. It's we're like when they, a, call, when they call him Ken <laughs> Walker. I can't get on board with that. 
<laughs> it was just flowing off the tongue for me that way. I don't even know if I always say that, but Mike Boone for you, JB. Um, where was I going here? Oh, but it's also Javante Williams' lowest point right now. Like, this is so fresh. It's such a long wait right now. So I wouldn't give up a first either, but I would want to see, depending on where the depth is on my roster, a running back maybe outside the top 32, if I'm very deep at wide receiver. And, and then throw, I like trade and draft capital. Hey, take my second, maybe a third. You know, so if I can package a player and some draft capital that's not a first, I'd love to get some Javante Williams somehow. Yeah, and a bunch of comments in the chat. But I mean, uh, Ron says Dobbins was a roller coaster up until this week. He's going to remain a roller coaster because he's a running back. That value is going to fluctuate. But I'm glad that was brought up that point because the value, think about where Dobbins and Akers were pre-injury. They weren't going and they, they were sought after running backs but not as highly as Javante Williams. There is just that glow about him. And even in a committee, people have been super excited about Javante. So their baseline pre-injury, Javante Williams, a higher value. So because of that, you're not able to scoop up Javante for what was a late 22 first. And we all know, I mean, that the wide receivers, obviously they're panning out very nicely, but you look at that 22 class. So it isn't a fair comparison to say, well, Javante or a late 23 first when it was Dobbins or a late 22 first or acres or whoever it was or ETN, because there is that difference in the classes. Right? So I, I think when you're talking about the, the, the baseline pre-injury, that is critical because I'm, I'm not willing to pay running back 10, 11 12 13 price for javante williams but it's going to be really difficult to get him for less and there's the big thing here for me is the wide receivers there are there are a lot of wide receivers i would take over him and i right now that list is right at 24 that's a lot of wide receivers and I think yeah. a part of that is just because the running back landscape, the way the wide receivers have produced, look at the receivers that are producing. They're all the high end assets. You're not getting the, like the, uh, the Jeff Wilson of wide receivers coming out. You're getting Tyree kill Debo Samuel Cooper cup, uh, you know, CD lamb, all of those, those highly coveted receivers. So, uh, you know, I'm trying to find some trades here. If anybody in the chat, if you completed a trade involving Javante Williams since the ACL news, if you've sent an offer out, if you receive an offer, even if they haven't been completed, throw in the chat because we'd love to discuss it. Um, You're not seeing yeah. any early ones, John, from uh, since the ACL? No, the, the only one that I saw actually, no, 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 man. I don't have my phone up here. It was charging. Everybody in the discord gets on me because my phone is never charged. So it is charging right now, but it was Mitch and I got an offer and essentially they were going to go Javante for RJK. And we said no, but at the same time, they had an offer out. They sent Javante Williams and Curtis Samuel for Aaron Jones which I think from a production standpoint today, it makes sense if you're looking to acquire Aaron Jones. If you're not contending, that trade very well could look really silly 
in 12 months. It could look silly. Um, but that's probably the, the type of move I'm going to be far more willing to move aging running backs for Javante than I am those top 24 wide receivers or those top. Let's see. Agree. It's night and day. I mean, Devin Singletary is a top 24 running back versus the elite receivers that are in the top 24 and some really high potential guys, even beyond the top 24 at wide receiver. Here we go. This is a 16 team league. There is a PPC point per carry element. I think it's 0.25 Javante Rondell Moore and OJ Howard. And it is two PPR 1.5 PPR. I'm in the league and I don't even know these settings for, for Dobbins and Taysom Hill. I, I, I personally want Dobbins. Yeah. I like that Dobbins side as well. OJ Howard's dust. Ron, Rondell it, and OJ Howard isn't enough to make up the difference for I me. hate to say it in that two point tight end PPR, even though he he's not, not using him in a pass catching role, Taysom Hill, like he's getting run. He's like a running back. Like mm-hmm. he's getting occasional, like he's a bi week flyer there, at least in that league. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a 16 team league that start 10 or a 12 team league that start 12, 13, uh, and you have Taysom Hill, he's probably good for a touchdown every week. You know, the way they use him. Here's another trade from Greg Javante. Well, there's a lot of pieces here. Javante, Lamb, Waller, and a third for Jonathan Taylor, Terry McLaurin, and Zach Ertz. I'm not sure if there's a tight end premium there. And if there is, Zach Ertz has just been accumulating point after point after reception after reception. Give me JT. That's a, that's a good deal though. Cause I mean, you're looking at like young elite wide receiver there that normally outlasts the running backs career. And I just, I'm a little disappointed in Darren Waller though this year. Right. So if you're getting like a, a pivot that I talked about throughout the off season was Waller for Zach Ertz plus talked about that several times on the pivot point, which is on the dynasty theory, Patreon. Uh, we have two tiers, five and 10 bucks a month. Have to get that plug in there. A lot of great additional content. No tight end premium there. So really, Waller disappointing. Jonathan Taylor, the running back 101. Uh, But okay, so so much is on my mind right now. You know, we're going through these questions. Dan, you're mentioning things. And as it always, as it works, it's like ping pong. You're hitting it in a boom idea. So one thing, and I know people are probably thinking, well, Christian McCaffrey in 2020, he missed most of that season. He missed a lot of 2021. He comes back in 2022. He's still valued as a top five running back, right? Saquon Barkley. People were talking about him as a top three running back again. After how much disappointment and injury. With those two specifically, we have seen elite production on a repeated basis weekly. For Javante, we haven't seen that ceiling. So I love, I, I had Javante as my running back too in that class. You know, I, I had several shares leaving the rookie drafts because ETN was always going ahead of Javante. So if I was up then on the clock, I was landing Javante. I don't have one Javante right now. In 93 leagues, I don't have one Javante. But even though he was struggling, he was Again, after three weeks, 18th overall running back on a lame offense to that point, and he's very young. So, again, bet on talent. 
you know, as you described the Barclays and the McCaffreys, again, we got, I think you got to look at the running back position as a very physical position where there's going to be injuries and know they're going to bounce back. So, uh, but that's what I'm saying. Why not go and gravitate towards another position? Oh yeah. I mean, for dynasty JB, that's why, that's what made that lamb Taylor trade kind of hard for me mm-hmm. because when you are gravitating to the other position, you're building your roster, maybe a little more primarily around a different position, which I do. You know, I like the elite receivers. I've changed a little bit. I used to be very running back heavy when I started Dynasty a few years ago. And I, you know, you and Mitch used to always note that, but my approach has changed a bit, you know? So I, I'm very attracted by acquiring a CD Lamb. Uh, you know, obviously in the draft, I would take Jonathan Taylor in a startup before Lamb, but that's because there's so many receivers. I know I would get one later on. But as far as constructing my roster, I want those young elite receivers. So I'm with you there. Now let's let's talk about this in terms of the rest of the running backs especially the high-end ones. And we had a question to kick off the show in the chat and you just mentioned him again, but Jonathan Taylor, that's a player that I have a few shares of that I am actively looking to move off of. Now, again, I'm not just giving these players away by any means, but is he really going out there and winning you weeks? You can pivot down, add a running back. And we talk about that shelf life. What is the difference really but today, between, uh, uh, let's say, point Jonathan, per game-wise. Jonathan Taylor and Devin Singletary? Not much. Yeah. <laughs> didn't mean to drop Kareem that. Hunt. Yeah, not uh, much. Uh, Josh Jacobs, Clyde Edwards-Alaire. So, again, I am by no means saying, oh, I have a high-end running back. Let me just throw him away and get one of these lower-tier running backs. But you can get a very significant ad. We talk about the usage every week on these these weekly recap shows and how we can project forward. Maybe look at a guy that has been getting the usage but has been underperforming fantasy-wise to pivot down. Maybe get a guy that's coming off of an injury or is injured. Jamison Williams, you know, again, I'm not saying straight up, so I don't want this to get misconstrued in any way. But I think this is a philosophy that we can use and utilize for every single higher-end running back. Brees Hall, Javante Williams, and sure, these guys, their value, you know, Javante's value very well may bounce back, but it's it's easier for J.K. Dobbins for his value to bounce back coming back from a very similar injury because he wasn't going as a top four dynasty back. He wasn't valued that way. I think back to we had what we called our, our goats league our greatest of all time, you know, and I think that just meant very active owners and dynasty, um, but a very competitive league. And I went in with a strategy of going after the receivers. We talked about JB the early rounds. I did some maneuver and I got Jamar chase and CD lamb. And I rolled the dice on some later running backs like Josh Jacobs and Clyde Edwards, Alaire and a young guy like Ramondre Stevenson. And I'm competitive in that league right now, but Clyde Edwards, Alaire is the fourth ranked running back. And Josh Jacobs is a seventh-ranked running back. And again, versus that strategy of Jonathan. And I know it's it's only week four. And I'm not saying they're 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 not better than you know Jonathan Taylor and so forth, but it does make you question strategy and what you could do with these running backs. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons like Mitch always talks about it. He talked about it during the offseason how often that if he was in a startup, he was slamming those two early quarterbacks. He was moving up in the first round to get the quarterbacks. And obviously the strategy is different. Whenever you're starting to incorporate super flex and tight end premium, especially when it's two PPR, but there are, I mean, I hate to say it, but as this season, we're only four weeks in 
zero running back truthers can can leave their house and shout from the mountaintops. <laughs> and I know, especially for people like you who do a lot more uh, redraft and those the bigger tournaments and the best ball and the DFS, that's something that you could probably you could have instituted in your strategy this year. And you're probably sitting there very pretty if you had if you went Cooper Cup, uh, you know, even T Higgins, whoever was going there then. But I I think it, it is very I don't want to say eye opening, but it's very telling. And as a dynasty community, I think then we're going to start to overcorrect a little bit. And it happened a little bit already. But now I think we might even see running backs continue to drop. I can't wait to see early startups next off season where we're four rounds in and like six running backs are off the board and super flex startups. It's, it's going to be wild. Uh, let's see. We and, have a and question. Vo- volume's the name of the game, you know, and, and, and I th- a lot of that for me is DFS strategy, but it does carry over to dynasty. And I want running backs that are going to get volume. And this has become a league where it is a committee league. So that volume is not as prominent as it used to be, unlike the receiver position where you could kind of project that Amon Ross St. Brown is going to get a lot of targets in a week, and those targets are going to result in production. And the backs that are still scoring well, you know, is Saquon Barkley because he's the only show in town. Eckler, the only show in town. You know, Nick Chubb, and I, I think we got a pretty good um, comment there in the, in, the, in the chat about Nick Chubb. Would you trade – Jonathan Taylor for Nick Chubb and two first. I'd say smash accepts, smash. right? JB Chubb and two first. Get that hammer, <laughs> smash it. We I need a graphic that I can, you know, and then a sound. Uh, yeah, I mean, in, you know, I, I know we spent a lot of time on Javante Williams, but it has been the talk of the town, obviously, because it is that higher end piece. And if I have Melvin Gordon in my roster and I can get a second for him, ship him off, ship, ship him off. I mean, I think he's what he's fumbled five times in like 45 carries or something. Yeah. That you know, don't fly. I, I, I think Latavius that, Murray that might be like, that might be a mental thing, but yeah. Latavius Murray in one week back in the national football league, watching him in um, the London game with the saints yep. look better than Melvin Gordon. And, and he still have Mike Boone and Mike Boone honestly looked better than Melvin Gordon too in the Denver game. But also this very well, just may be a reason to kickstart that passing attack in Denver. You know, I know they want to go in there and wanted to run the ball, but things change, especially when you have a higher end injury and a player like Javante Williams. So talking about Javante Williams and the way we're looking at the running back position and the amount of players that I said I would trade him for one for one, it isn't an indictment on Javante Williams. I think he is super talented. It's just, what is he giving you over replacement? I know it's a small sample size, but again, if you're contending up to this point, Losing Javante Williams really shouldn't change your plans. Stay the course. Don't panic. But if the opportunity presents itself, especially a wide receiver, I think you should look to uh, to pivot. And that's always my word, to pivot. Anything else on Javante? We talked about if we're acquiring, I, I, I looking to move him. Again, I, I, I think you can still get solid value but again, if we're just playing the value game and you're not contending, there's no need to just get rid of him. So, you know, because we are going to see that fluctuation. He's going to recoup most of his value. It's just you're you're eating that for the course of the 22 season, most of the 23 off season, and it, he's just not a very liquid asset. So 
you know, Correct. if it, it, my issue is his price just is not going to drop far enough. Like you see uh, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, when they, when they were injured, they're, they were fairly easy to acquire compared to their previous value. I don't think the case is going to be the same for Javante Williams. Yeah, it's different there. Those guys were untouchable at one point just because they're in that elite category and tons of volume and receptions and every, they were all everything. So this is definitely different. Yeah, I, okay. I, I think I think looking ahead to this weekend, I think Melvin Gordon's playing for his life because uh, I think there will be a little learning curve for Latavius Murray. Like he knew the same system. So I think he was able to come in there right away and play where there might be a little bit more learning curve in Denver. Not a lot for the running back position, but so we'll see how Mel, Melvin produces this week he can't afford to fumble anymore or else it'll be but he's still going to share with Mike Boone we know Mike Boone has a role I think Latavius will get a little role this week and then I think if you're bidding on fab as uh, MP saying in the chat there he's asking to spend 20 30 percent or fab or more um, I'm sure we're all looking at our waiver wires tonight going into tomorrow morning and I think Latavius Murray at least gives you upside to potentially be the Denver back this year because he could be better than Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone and your options are probably cutting somebody on your bench like a Sony Michelle or someone in that class that doesn't have much upside so I do say be a little aggressive going after him this week not you know if you're in contention you're you're playing for now so if you got a not you're not going to get many more shots to get a running back that could help your team yeah so before we move on because we really just have our final segment here and it's always the based on what we saw in week four uh, what was the most impactful performance on a player's value? I want to throw the rapid fire at you here, Dan. And I want to well, do it like cross- rapid fire. Let, let's do it uh, within the running back position right now. You are two and two. Okay. You're, you're middle of the pack. You have Javante Williams on your roster and one for one, you get offered. I'm not uh, Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Deandre Swift, Najee, Brees Hall, uh, Dalvin Cook, do you take Dalvin? Yeah, I would. A little less Joe excited, Mixon. but I take him. Joe Mixon. Yes, Joe Mixon. Austin Eckler. Yes. Nick Chubb, I know you will. Oh, yeah. A.J. Dillon. Uh, I kind of like Javon. I mean, I, I think long-term upside. I'm not as high on A.J. Dillon as everybody else is, so I, I, I think long-term I'd rather have Javante Williams. Aaron Jones, you're two and two. Aaron Jones gives me a chance to win this year if that's the missing piece. So Travis Etienne. I don't think he's going to help me win this year the way they're using him. So I'd rather hang on to Javante. His usage has been getting more intriguing as we've been progressing here. J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins. Alvin Kamara. I'm not losing Williams' future for Kamara. Derrick Henry. Do you think Derrick? I know it's rapid fire. But do you think Derrick Henry ha- is just an unusual freak that could last a couple more years than everybody else? Like, I, I just, you know. Just when we wow. think, we're two weeks in, right? Just when Derek we Henry. think, uh, he's slowing down. He's slowing down. Look at his performance so far. And then week three hits, week four hits. And you're like, this dude is, there's something, something like, in. they made him in a lab. Yeah, right? I mean, it, Adrian Peterson was made in a lab before and, and like he played into he's like an ancient old man and until he had a box and get knocked out by Le'Veon Bell. But uh, I, I think there's just something different about Henry than that normal 27 year old, uh, you know, running back cl- 28, age, 28, 28 now. Yeah, I just I think there's something different. But uh, all right. Leonard Fournette. Quick, I'll take, quick. I'll take Lenny. 
David Montgomery. I want nothing to do with the Bears. Kenneth Walker. Javante Williams. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Damian Pierce. Getting harder. (laughs) I'll go Pierce. And uh, I I would still take Javante over him, but Damien is somebody That's that tough. I've actually I've been acquiring a few shares, and you know I was a, I was a staunch uh, supporter of I will not move a twenty three first for him. I still haven't had to do it. I've incorporated yeah. him in a few package deals that nice. that was still uh, I think a, a fair price and something that people would have been charging previously. Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. All right. And then Pollard, Miles Sanders, James Robinson, Ramondre Stevenson, James Conner. Any of them? No. No. Okay. Quarterback. Russell Wilson. Well, you're going quarterback on me. So now you're going back to last week episode, and there's a certain value quarterbacks have similar to running back. And I'll go at Russell Wilson. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, totally. Trevor Lawrence smash. Tua. I'll go Tua. Kirk Cousins. 12-team super flex. If I need a quarterback, I'll go Cousins, but I hope I don't and could say Javante Williams. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, same thing. I'll go Aaron Rodgers, but it's... Zach Wilson. My boy Zach giving hope last week. I mean, again, I, I the way we have Zach on our... Oh, man. I'll go Javante Williams. That's close. Derek Carr. They're all in that same class, JB. So it tends to, I think it depends how you perceive it. But the, these quarterbacks you're naming that's are. Why that's why I have them tiered together on the, the, the tiers. They're all in my probably, you know, 13 to 17 range and right before the drop that you're naming. So, I mean, I might have to go to quarterback in this, these super, super flex formats and take them. But if I don't need the quarterback, JB, I know that I've totally crushed the rapid fire rules here. Yeah, it's been three hours now. All right, last one. <laughs> Trey Lance also out for the season. Trey Lance. Javante Williams. Williams. I'm on right. Lance. All right. Outside of Javante Williams and the Denver Broncos, what performance in week four was the most impactful on a player's dynasty value? Of course, that's always long-term, but the short-term outcomes are so pivotal. Uh, and what was the impact, positive or negative? So name a player, name five players, whatever you want to do. I've got a few, JB, because I always do. I like to bend the rules like you, unlike Mitch, who's got it. He's the choir boy of the group and follows the rules for the most part. But um, a few guys that I think, just based on week four, that's what you're asking, their impact last week and how it impacts Dynasty. The true Dynasty answer of my list would be George Pickens again. He is just a grown man. Chase Claypool goose egg me in a league, and just the stock rises every week on George Pickens. He just looks like he belongs and is going to be a number one wide receiver in the national football league. And when you actually throw to him, he catches for a hundred yards in a game. So George Pickens will be first on my list. I think Pat Fryermuth has to be there with him too. He does, but like Fryermuth was kind of in a category that we talked about in previous episodes of dynasty theory, where like we know where he was in our rankings, you know, like, after Hawkinson, it goes like Goddard, Schultz, Knox, Fryermuth. Like he was after right in Hawkinson. there. You're throwing Goddard after Hawkinson. I, I've always they're they're like sixth and seventh, right next to each other in the ranking. So it's almost identical there. I, I've always just been a, a hot kind of guy, um, but it's pick your poison. I'm not gonna. I, I won't fight you over that one, JB. Uh, you can flip flop that one, and I, and I won't argue. All right, uh, so go Fryermuth through your whole there. list. So Pickens, I, I think that's fine to include. So, so I like to just talk about the Las Vegas Raiders and Devontae Adams. And I know this is kind of like a little 
feels anti-dynasty because he is 29 years old. But he has gotten target shares this year of 17, 7, 10, and 13. Like, they are just – like it feels like that's all the car is looking at. Like, the, the Darren Waller who um, – it is the Devonte Adams show. He still looks like an elite receiver. He was the number one receiver last year. I just think he is in a different class of those older elite receivers that I think is going to have. We talked about Derrick Henry being made a little bit different. I think Adams is made a little bit different. It's going to last a little bit longer. And in that same Raiders conversation is Josh Jacobs, a guy who's the Raiders have got to make a decision on two weeks ago. He was sick and it was so important for him to play for the Las Vegas Raiders that he flew in on a private jet to make sure he was in that game and had a big role. And then he looked really good. You know, I'm a film guy, JB, and I just love watching Josh Jacobs right now. So whether it's Vegas or somewhere else, I think he's a, a good age running back at what 25, I believe that's 24. got some 24. It's got some really good uh, years in him. I wish he was in more on third downs. He wasn't in their two minute offense. So at least that's encouraging, uh, but I'm really liking Josh Jacobs again. And just looking at last week's performance, he, he's getting the targets this year. He, he he's, he's been getting targets and it, Jacobs CEH Miles Sanders based on week four, they're kind of giving life to that middle tier of running backs. And yeah. that's what we're looking for. We're looking for production. And those are guys that were so difficult to move. So if you still have them on your roster, the window has opened and the opportunity has presented itself. All right, keep going. Yeah, and those three guys you just mentioned, CEH, Miles, Jacobs, I feel like I have clustered them and talked about them a lot of times at different periods of our show from the offseason to the end season. And I still think there's a stigma around them where like no matter what we've talked about and they're producing, John, I think you can still get them. Um, other guys on the list, just a couple more. Look at the Miami backfield. I, I have a Raheem Moster over Chase Edmonds right now. Just note and watching the way they're playing. And I think Chase is kind of underwhelming me a bit. And Moster seems to be a little bit more clutch there in that Miami situation. Again, long term, it's not there for me with Moster. But depending on what you're doing with your dynasty rosters right now, that's just the way the Miami situation is. Edmonds has been, he's been bolstered by touchdowns. What, three over the last two weeks? And keeping up. I, I, I I love Chase Edmonds at his price coming in. I have so many shares. He is not very desirable right now, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And then my deep sleeper would be your deep dynasty guy is Devin Duvernay. I love them in the offs. I love them last year, and I think I was a year early, and then it kind of went south. And then I hammered him in best ball, and then I'm just watching him play, and he's had some splash games, some splash moments. He's getting targets. They're not utilizing Bateman like I necessarily like. Hopefully that foot injury isn't anything for Bateman serious, and he's good this week. But that offense is so explosive, and I think you know they're getting ready for a showdown in Cincinnati. I think you're going to see Devin Duvernay continue to be a guy that's going to have some some splash moments and get some volume as their number two wide receiver. And if, if Bateman's ever out, I think he becomes their go-to after Andrews. So there. And I think if Mitch was on tonight, he would say Devin Singletary. He's always going to say Devin Singletary, but you mentioned it for Bateman and Traylon Burks also, and I'll, I'll bring it up here shortly, but you, you always hear that midfoot injury and it, it's typically what the list Frank injury. That's, that's something that you don't want to hear for wide receivers, you know, or running backs too. I mean, ETN has suffered a list Frank injury as well. Um, but for me, you went running backs mostly. I kind of looked at it from a wide receiver perspective, two things that I really liked. Michael Gallup, forget about the touchdown for 
83% route participation first game back. And that was impressive. He, he he was out there. He, you know, and, and CD Lamb is still that unquestioned number one. I, I know people were panicking early. And I, I, any chance I could get, I kept bringing it, I kept bringing it up. I said, be a little patient because that week one performance against Tampa Bay, I don't think that's how this is going to go. Maybe it is because Cooper Rush, the savior, is now at the helm until Dak Prescott comes back. But I was very happy to see Michael Gallup with that 83% route participation there in week four. Chris Godwin was at 85. Yep. If I could just add to your Gallup, too, being a, a Cowboys homer here, as you know, you know, it was interesting. Before the game, I think one of the Cowboys beat writers was saying they really believed, I think once Tolbert was deactivated, that Gallup was going to have a full workload. And then Stefania Bell from the Four Letter Network mentioned that she'd be a little surprised, not questioning the beat writer. Look at JB breaking out the jersey here. And um, that beat writer was spot on. You know, he had a pretty much a, a heavy workload there, as you, as you mentioned, his, his percentage. And he looked really good. And this is a Dallas team that, in order to contend with the Eagles this year, they've got to have some offense. And with Amari Cooper gone, the expectation of Dallas management was Cooper and Gallup. And it's starting to come to fruition. So, JB, your your stocks are up there in your Michael Gallup share collection. Yeah, it was a player that I talked about repeatedly over the offseason that that I, I didn't care if he was going to miss the start of the season. That's always very important for dynasty managers. When we're looking at the bigger picture, he got the contract. Amari Cooper going, be a little patient there. And, and we saw him on the field for most of that game. Chris Godwin, 85% route participation. No, no issues there. But also a 22% target share per route run. You know, he didn't find the end zone, but he still showed he, he he's that guy in that offense. Him and Mike Evans had a fantastic game in week four. But Chris Godwin, I think it was overshadowed a bit. And another player that I was buying into heavily throughout the offseason with that injury discount. Robert Woods, if you're a contender, if, you, if you're in a deeper league and you need that production, 12 and a half and 13 points, uh, PPR points the last two weeks, he eclipsed 80% route participation the last two weeks. He didn't hit that the first two weeks of the season. So we are trending in the right direction. Up. And now with Traylon Burks out with that midfoot injury, this is going to open things up for Robert Woods and it's going to get him more involved whenever you have a team that's looking for playmakers, especially in the passing game. So Robert Woods, somebody that, you know, if a team is 0 and 4, 1 and 3, or they're low in potential points and they jump in your chat and they say, hey, I'm looking to sell some players and Robert Woods is on the roster. I think you could get him for a really reasonable price. Christian Kirk, minimal fantasy production. But with Zay Jones out, and there was some weather there in Philadelphia, but with Zay Jones out, it was the highest targets per route run that he saw this season, 35%. On 35% of his routes, he was targeted by Trevor Lawrence. Again, because the production wasn't there, and a lot of fantasy managers, you shouldn't be, but a lot of fantasy managers are those box score watchers. They're, they're going through the lineups, and they see Christian Kirk had eight points. What had Zay Jones was out. This should have been a big game. Uh uh, Maddox was out for the Eagles defense should have had a huge game and he didn't. So I think maybe just sniff around. It, it's not going to be easy, but see if that price dropped at all from the previous week, just because of that now there is one player, right? It's not all sunshines and rainbows. Okay. And this is one of your guys. Is there any concern with Michael Pittman? And let me say something before you answer this week, 
lowest targets per route run of the year, lowest average depth of target of the year, highest slot rate of the year. So previously the tight ends were utilized more out of the slot. Mo Alley Cox was in the slot 40% in week three, dropped to 14% in week four. We saw the big game that he had. Pittman goes from 18% in week three to 36% in week four. In 2021, Pittman's slot rate was 18%. He doubled that up in week four. As As long as it is not a trend, it shouldn't be a concern. But if that continues, if Mo Alley Cox, uh, I almost said Jack Doyle, uh, Jelani Woods, uh, who who am I missing? Granson, Kylan Granson. He, but again, he also was uh, in line a lot more than he was in previous weeks. So just something to keep an eye on. And then the the low A dot is is that a Matt Ryan thing? He's he's just he hasn't been chucking the ball and he hasn't opened things up the way that everybody thought would happen. Well, we, we got Carson Wentz out of town. Matt Ryan's going to come in and save the day. Michael Pittman, fairly underwhelming up to this point, especially in week four. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on there in Indianapolis, and I don't think it's so much a Mike Pittman concern, but it's funny that you mentioned that because I think I was you know early submitting lineups to the, tonight before the show. And, and I think I'm sitting Pittman uh, potentially this week. And it, I have some other talented receivers, so I've got choices in that league. It's not a guy I would normally sit. But they're spreading the ball around. I think they just had a bad game plan last week versus Tennessee for Tennessee to to upset them like they did. And now we saw the report today that their head coach and GM's in, on the hot seat potentially. So there's definitely, you know, you go from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan, as you mentioned, thinking you're going to fix the problem, but you can't go from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan and not keep your O line really strong because Matt Ryan's not mobile anymore, you know. So they've got some things they got to keep working out on the O line. They've got to get John anymore Taylor going was again. Ever mobile? No, I mean the O line. Like, like the, well, no, I, he used to be able to overcome a little bit more. You know, it's it's the margin for error is a lot less than ten years ago. So you know that going in if you're the the Indianapolis Colts and you know, they let my boy right guard, my Mark Lewinsky go and there's some changes along that O line and it's, it's not for the better. So we'll see. They, they've still got time to figure it out, but they better do so soon. Yeah. Through three weeks, Michael Pittman. Uh, I mean, it was okay. I mean, a great weeks. week one, we were exactly what we wanted. And in week three he was still good. But, but again, my, my concern is that the, and it could have been a game plan just for one week. It might just be a blip and then they move on. But if he is used in the slot at twice the rate that he was last year, that's going to be an issue. It's going to be an issue. So I'm not saying jump ship, but we, we, we talk about usage in week four and some things to keep an eye on. That's one for me. So again, I looked at the wide receivers. You looked more at running backs, but I think overall a uh, pretty good feel there. And as always, if anybody has any other players they want to talk about, throw it in the Discord, and we're more than happy to talk about it. Final thoughts. I have a final thought this week. And I kind of mentioned it earlier. You don't necessarily have to be in your league chat, active, chiming into every conversation, whatever the case may be. But if you're going to pay attention to your league chat, we're hitting that point of the year that it's time. Managers are going to be jumping into your chat saying, I'm, I'm blowing this up. Boom, on the block, on the block, on the block. Check the trade bait. So again, just, just look. 
it, it, it takes a minute. Just look, see what's going on. See if anybody's panicking. But those are the times that, and if they get a decent offer, sometimes people are jumping all over it. And it's just such an easy way to get a deal done that could be quite beneficial to you because the other manager, they want to kickstart a rebuild or that, Hey, I'm looking for production. I'm, I'm willing to move my 23 first. And maybe you get a player off your roster that was very difficult to move during the off season. It's not always going to happen that way. It's not always going to work out, but just, just pay attention. I think now more than ever, it's critical that you look at your, your league chat, whether it's on group me discord, wherever it may be, sleeper or the, the trade bait, just keep an eye, see whenever people are updating that because that really could help out. It's such an easy thing to pay attention to Dan for the 176th time. What's your final thoughts for our listeners? Before I give my, I just want to, I always praise you and Mitch when you encourage, uh, you know, trade activity there and using that trade bait, you know, that's why we have so many dynasty teams. So when certain owners aren't active, we have more leagues to go to, but you know, every time I, that's one of the email alerts I keep on when someone activates, you know, updates their trade bait. Cause Hey, if I could be the first one to the party there and there's a player in that list I'm interested in, we might get a deal done. So I'm going to rapid fire for those that, you know, hung in for the whole hour and listened to our show. You know, we, you and I, JB, again, we cheat and we have a lot of notes, but a few notes that I didn't get a chance to mention on the show. And I'll just throw them out there. Gabe Davis, I believe, is playing hurt. So I wouldn't bail on him. But until we know he's fully healthy, if McKenzie's out. Bail. Should have bailed before. Oh, I love Gabe. I love Gabe. But uh, I believe he is playing hurt. And if McKenzie's out in concussion protocol, I think Dawson Knox will kind of rise for a little while. So if you you know if you need him, maybe to get him low, have some good production here, and then you know trade him while the value's high. Um, top running back duos, man. Who maybe in future weeks we talk about these these backfields again. But Chubb Hunt, Harris Stevenson in New England, and Hall Carter in the Jets. I love those three duos, man. And, and Brees Hall is definitely rising. I've, I've been really enjoying watching him play. And then on the negative side, Darren Waller, I don't know what's going on. Marcus Mariota, just, oh, God. I know he scored some points over the last few weeks, but that that ship's going to sail before Get you know Get whatever it. you can, dump him. Oh, please. And, you know, Kenneth Walker, I feel like, is Alexander Madison. Like, he's just not rising like I would, I would hope or if anyone who believes in Kenneth Walker does. So I'm just not really happy with that Seattle situation that he's in. I think there's still upside, and, you know, I, it's just I, I think you got to be super patient there. And the the Kadarius, uh, maybe back to a positive, Kadarius Tony, Wandale Robinson, don't dump them. I wouldn't even dump them right now. I think I really believe the Giants coaching staff is just letting them guys get completely healthy. That team is competitive with terrible wide receivers. Terrible. They've done a great job. I think Kadarius Tony or Robinson, if one or two of those guys could stay healthy, you know, if you're gonna move them, let their stock rise before you do. That's my you mentioned thoughts. Dawson Knox and in the Patreon, I, I put some blurbs together on a weekly basis. And for Dawson Knox, he only had seven points in typical PPR this week, okay? But it was a season high season high in route participation, target share, slot rate. That's the key right there. So if McKenzie, if he is out this week, like you said, Jamison Crowder, broken ankle. If Dawson Knox gets that slot rate, and uh, the, it was his highest A dot actually this week and targets per route run. So it was a disappointing production standpoint there in week four for Dawson Knox. But if he's able to, to work out of the slot and it was a tough matchup, it was a tough matchup against Baltimore. It was, it was a a somewhat lower scoring game than what we expected, I think. But uh, 
you know, I, I do like that. I think he's somebody that if you were looking to move him off your roster, once he sees a little spike here, which I think we're going to see over the next week or two, that window might open up and you can, you can really uh, take advantage there. Yeah, he was coming off an injury too. Tight end position, like court, like running back, oh, very physical. And if those guys aren't feeling one hundred percent, sometimes the production goes down. But he's healthy right now. Tight end, Tyler Higby, tight end five. Everett, tight end six. Conklin, tight end eight. Will Disley, tight end ten. Moelle Cox, tight end thirteen. Look volumes, what? volumes, the name of the game, JB. They're getting some it opportunities at a weak position. All right. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. Like I said, check us out. Uh, you know, if you're watching live on YouTube, we always appreciate all of the comments and the the conversations. It really does make this show so much more enjoyable than us just coming on. And and I don't, I don't want to just talk to Dan and Mitch all night. I, that's, I like to see the comments in there. Uh, check out the Patreon. Uh, checks out on Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. For Mitch Sorensen, who's doing some business traveling. Dan LaMagna, I'm John Bauer. We'll catch everybody next week. Good luck in week five. Have a great night.